Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Week two of a series we've called The Blessed Life, and we're talking all about how God can bless your life. We said last week what I'll remind you this week, and that is God does not need anything from you. But He does want something for you. Amen, everybody. He does want something for you. He wants you to live a blessed life. And in order to live a blessed life, you're going to have to, I am going to have to learn that we put everything that we have into the hands of the only person who can bless everything we have. You and I don't have the ability in our own power to create this blessed life. We have to get in alignment with God and His Word, and then He blesses every area of our life. We said last week, I'll repeat to you today for the final time, and that is this is not a a, a prosperity theology. We're not a prosperity gospel kind of church. Prosperity gospel says, I give so that I can get. I give something, I give, you know, if I give this, then God, God owes me this. We don't believe that. God doesn't owe me anything. Can I get a better amen, everybody? Not prosperity theology. It's also the other ditch on that road, the other side of the, the road, is it, this is not poverty gospel. This is not poverty theology that says if you have anything or talk about success or talk about blessing, that it's evil and you're just money hungry and God wants you to be poor and just barely make it in. That's not this church either. We don't believe that. That's not Bible doctrine either. So it's not prosperity theology, it's not poverty theology, but it is blessing theology. Shout amen to that. It's blessing theology. You say, what is that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Genesis 2 and 12. This is blessing theology. God tells Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and I'm not doing it just for you. Blessing theology is God will bless me and you will what? you'll be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed not through the next election. Not through if your candidate gets it, your policies win, everything goes well for you, not through your school system, not through your local government, not because of the community you chose. God's plan to bless the earth is you. Say amen to that. God's plan to bless the earth is the people of God. It's the people of God. And I want to teach that to you today. If you have a Bible, I'm in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, kind of flip over there today. That's, there's a lot of end time stuff there too. I am not preaching end times to you today. <laughs> so you're, you're safe uh, for a moment. But uh, I am going to preach end times to you, just not today. Uh, Matthew 25 today. You ever had the feeling that uh, I wish I knew then what I know now? Anybody? You ever don't raise your hand on this one. You ever wake up next to next to a spouse and go, "Boy, I wish I knew." No, you didn't. No, that I heard. I heard one guy who <laughs> said, "No, never." Wish I knew then. I wish I knew. If you knew in 1980 what you know now about Apple. At the IPO of 1980, if you had invested $5,000, today it's worth over $2 million. I wish I knew then what I know now, you know. I wish I, wish I knew. Uh, if, if, you, 
you ever, you ever had regret? If I wish I knew then that chicken fried steak, I couldn't eat it every day. You know, I wish I knew. I wish I would have met, you know, I, I, truth be told, I do know that. I just choose chicken fried steak anyway. Can I get a better amen, everybody? Some bad decisions are just worth it anyway. Wish I would undo a hairstyle. Anybody ever got a haircut you wish it undo? I'm going to look at my notes when I say this, but I feel like it's God's, I feel spirit led to tell you this, that if you don't regret a mullet, you will. <laughs> Some of you should. <laughs> it's coming back and it's not godly. It's not good. Don't do it. You're going to regret it. You know, they say hindsight's twenty twenty, but I want you to know when you go to God's Word, the future can be just as clear to you as the past. You don't have to live. As a matter of fact, this is a prophetic church. Let me teach you very quickly about a prophetic church. A prophetic church is not always weird and everybody telling you this is what, you know, and you, you, you know, your head hurts and if your head hurts, stand up. Well, half the crowd got a headache, you know, and you stand up. That's not a prophetic church. All that prophecy means in the New Testament, a prophetic church just means future talk. Prophecy is just talk of the future. It's future talk. So this is a prophetic church because we're always talking about the best is yet to come with God. That God's always got more for you. That, God, that the best is just around the corner. That it's, it's always too soon to give up. Say amen to that. That makes us a prophetic church. And God is a prophetic God, which means you can know the future just as clearly as you can the past. This is a prophetic book. This is a prophetic church. And today I want to give you a prophetic message about living the blessed life. Now some of you are going to think, man, prophetic messages I know don't sound anything like this. Well... I can't help you've been in bad theology. This is Bible theology. And prophetic talk means I'm going to help you know some future in your life. Why do you miss living the blessed life? Why do people, why do Christians, spirit-filled, God-called, Jesus-loving Christians miss living the best life? If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write it down anyway. We are. Here's the reason I think you miss living the blessed life. It's because we're consumed by the temporary instead of being focused on the eternal. That we live our lives and we have a culture that tells us that the temporary gets the majority of my attention. That what's going on right now, that, that, that I'm consumed with my schedule and I'm consumed with my calendar and I'm consumed with making money and we're consumed with buying bigger houses and I'm consumed with a brand new F-250, the King Ranch Come on, somebody. I'm consumed with the temporary and not focused on the eternal. And I think that's why we miss the blessed life. I want to make the case over the next few moments for you that you can switch your focus to eternal things. And if you'll do that, you'll line yourself up to the blessings of God. Colossians 3 and verse 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. In other words, if you're a believer, set your hearts where? On what? Oh my goodness, I'm praying for second service to be an amening crowd. Set your hearts on what? Things above. You got to think above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things above and not on what? Not on these things. That needs to be your verse of the week. Colossians 2 and verse 2, set your mind higher then these things, if you keep being consumed and focused 
on the temporary things of your life, you'll have anxiety, you'll fall into depression, it'll feel like you can't ever get out of this, it's never going to change in my life. And God said the key to living a blessed life is to raise your eyes just above this earth on eternity. Let me go ahead and pause here and tell you in light of current events and end times and all of that stuff, my brothers and sisters, we are not living for this world. There is a heaven that you and I are dying to gain. Can I get a better amen? You got to get your eyes on. This is still good old-fashioned Bible preaching that Jesus is coming back and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet Him in the air and there we will ever be with Him. There's heaven on the other side of this. And if you live your life looking for heaven on earth, you will always be disappointed. If I can just get a bigger house, that would be heaven on earth. If you're single, if I can just get married, that would be heaven on earth. Brandon and I were raised in Christian homes. And you know, when you're raised in a Christian home, we did the best we could and we were pure and we want to raise pure young people. You know, I get young people who tell me all the time, I, I hope Jesus doesn't come back before I get married. Let me interpret that. What they mean is I hope he doesn't come back for the honeymoon. Come on, somebody. We get our eyes on the here and now. If I, can just get, if I can just get this promotion, if I can just get this. The problem with earthly things, listen, is we live in a world of addition, but we can move to the kingdom of multiplication. We live in a world, temporary worlds are worlds of addition. I get a, I get a slight pay increase and then, and, then, and then I add to what we have. We get a slightly bigger house, we're adding square footage. We get a slightly nicer cars and we're adding to. And we go to a slightly better private school and we're adding to. And, and, and not, nothing wrong with any of that, by the way. Not, not, this is not poverty theology. There's nothing wrong with that. But our focus, our, we can't be consumed with this world of addition because God has a kingdom of multiplication. Write this in your notes. What you keep is all you have. But what you give, God multiplies. What you keep is all you have. But what you give, God multiplies. It's true in talent. It's true in time. It's true in resource and money. Whatever you keep is all you have. But when you give it away, when you give it to God, when you sow it into eternal purposes, God will multiply what yours seems to be not enough. God will multiply to bless the world. Say amen to that. He tells Abraham, in one son, in just one son, I'm going to bless the whole world. You say, that doesn't make any sense. How does one boy, how does one son, how does that make you the father of nations? Because in your world, you're just adding one son to your family. But in kingdom, there's multiplication. There's multiplication. Say amen to them. I'll show it to you in God's word. Luke 6 and verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. But when God returns it to you, listen. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And running over will be poured into your lap. Can I see a show of hands? How many of you need that kind of blessing in your life? That's what I want to live. Listen, keep your hand up if that's really you. 
then that means it can't be in my hands. It's got to be in the only one who can multiply to that level. It's got to be in the hands of the multiplier. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Man, that's one of the hardest verses in all of the Bible. The measure that you use. One verse says it like this, that if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. It's a principle of the kingdom that when I give it to God, God multiplies it. What I keep is all I have, but what I give, God multiplies. Amen. In fact, Jesus knew it would be an issue for you and I to let go of what I have. It is my propensity to hold on. I have more because I held on to more. I have more because I squirreled away more. Where's all my savers at? You're usually married to spenders, so you know who you are. (laughs) You're the one that constantly is... Now, not me, Brandy, just godly saver. But anyway, I... I am the saver in our, and, 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 and you, you start thinking, man, uh, we can't do X because we got it, you know. And I remember when we were young and uh, we needed to upgrade, we needed a better car, we needed to upgrade a few things in our life, and we had a big savings account. And Brandy came to me one day and I said, hey, well, I just don't think we can do, and I, you know, I'm just worried. And she said, what do we, what, what do we have all of this savings for if not for this thing, you know? But, but in my mind, I, the, if I didn't have it, then I got less of it. I had to hold on. I had to make sure that I held on in, in my life to everything that I had. And Jesus knew that. So he teaches this parable about eternal investment. I want to teach you today about eternal investment. I'm going to give you two major questions that can redirect the course of your life today. And I hope that it blesses you. I normally wouldn't read this much passage, uh, but you picked a good day to be in church because I'm going to read a lot of Scripture to you. Matthew 25, if you have a Bible, verse 14 and I'm going to read a lot of it and read fast. If you're there, say amen. Again, it'd be like a man. By the way, the it that Jesus is talking about is the kingdom of heaven. Okay? So the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted whose wealth? His wealth to them. Verse 15. To one he gave five bags of gold. To another two bags And to another one bag, each according to his ability. Let me pause here and tell you, whatever you have, God knew what you could be trusted with. God knew what you could be trusted with. And the the most content people in the world are people who say, I'm not concerned about how many bags of gold you have. God gave me this bag and what I do with it is what matters the most. Can I get a better amen? You will live a happier life if you'll delete Facebook and Instagram and Twitter off of your phone and quit comparing bags of gold with people who don't care about you. That was free. I didn't write any of that down. Then he went on his journey. Verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once put his money where? To work. Are you going to read with me or not? He put his money where? To work. And he gained five bags more. Verse 17, so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid whose money? It's not yours to begin with. 
Verse 19, and after a long time, the master of those servants returned and he did something that I'm going to teach you today that some people don't believe, but I want to show it to you in God's word. He settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me. Say, you entrusted me. I want to be trustworthy to God. I want God to be able to trust me with more. I want want to be trustworthy to God, that God can trust me with influence and trust me with platform and trust me with resource. Can I get a better amen? And the person with five bags said, Master, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I gained five more. Verse 21, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. I saw something online the other day that said, Well done is not for stakes, it's for good and faithful servants. (laughs) Some of y'all need to cook it longer than you do, though. Let me just pause there. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. You can't ask for more if you can't manage what you have. You cannot ask the master for more if you haven't invested what you do have. You can't ask for more talent if you're not leveraging the talent. You, you can't ask for more influence if you're not leveraging the influence that you have. You can't ask for more blessing if you aren't leveraging the blessing that you have. God will not, you've got to be trustworthy. It's called the test of small things. God says, I'll give you this to see if I can trust you with this. And if you'll leverage this, you've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. If you don't wash your Ford, you won't wash the BMW you're praying for. If you don't clean that one-bedroom apartment, you won't clean that ranch. If you, I'm preaching now. Y'all get quiet. If you don't mow the grass around that little quarter of an acre, you won't mow the grass on the ranch you're believing God for. You can pray to you. Talk in tongues all you want to. God can't trust you with more because you're not taking care of what He gave you. Once you go, I tell you what I teach our staff. Once you go look in the in the passenger side floorboard of your car and see if God can trust you with more. <laughs> Let me look back down here. Get back on my notes. <laughs> Verse twenty one. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Verse twenty two. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said. You entrusted me. There it is again with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful over a few things. Charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Let me pause here and break some bad theology off of you. Who told you God was a hard man? Who told you that God isn't pleased in your life? What bad theology were you raised in that God doesn't, isn't approval, that, that, that God somehow hates you and you're not doing enough? Let me break that off of you. God is not a hard man. God just requires investment. God requires return on the investment He's put into you. That's not hard. That's good management. So nobody told him he was a hard man. He just said, I knew. I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. 
Verse 25, so I was afraid. I went out and hid whose gold? Your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You can still be a servant and be wicked and lazy. You can still serve the Lord and the way you view what God's put in your hands determines whether you are good and faithful or lazy and wicked. I've got to tell you that again. This is not about salvation. This is about what you do with the master's gold. What, what you do with what he put in your hands. There are only two ways. It is good and faithful or it is wicked and lazy. Say amen to that. You wicked and Lazy servants, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have at least put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I would have had at least a little bit of interest. Verse 28. One of the hardest parables I think Jesus teaches is here. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. Now how many did the one who have ten bags start with? But now, who has ten bags? He does. Notice this. God gives more. I, I taught you this last week. It's, it's Proverbs 3. God gives seed to the sower. God does not give seed to people who need crops. God gives seed to people who say, I've got something. I'm going to sow that. And when you reach back in the bag, God says, I'm going to keep multiplying what I've given you. Talent that you have. Resource that you have. Influence that you have. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep multiplying that. Give that one to the one who who has ten bags. Verse 29. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. That's a blessing. But whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now, this is an interesting parable because I think this is prophetic. I think this is prophetic preaching because I'm... I am telling you of a future conversation that you're going to have with Jesus. Jesus is giving us a glimpse. I know hindsight is 2020, but God's opening up the windows of the future. And, th- and through this story, through parable, He's teaching us that if you'll understand this, God gives you a blueprint for your life, it will exponentially impact your eternity he's allowing you to know now what you will know in the future that there's two things that you are responsible for i'm going to teach them to you now write this in your notes if you're taking notes here's the first one if you live with an eternal focus jesus teaches this god owns everything there is a time coming in the future when you'll be able to look back over your life and realize it wasn't mine anyway Those weren't my children. I was entrusted with these children to steward them well. That wasn't my talent. I was trusted with that talent to steward it and leverage it well. That wasn't my home. It was God who gave me that home. And I was entrusted to steward it and leverage it well. God, uh, no, pastor, you're wrong. I've earned this. I've worked hard for this. I saved for this. That is not what the Bible says. Matthew 24, 14. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. Everybody say his property. 
the quicker you and I grasp a hold that everything belongs to God. God owns everything. God owns everything. God owns everything. God, God, you need to come take care of your kids. Come on, somebody. God, God, your car right now is breaking down. You need to come up here. Now listen, you laugh about that. But when you pray for your car and blessing, if you haven't put it in God's hands, why would it be God's responsibility? Sometimes I think we pray for stuff and God goes, well, that's not mine. You've had it in your hands. You deal with it. You've held on to it. You figure it out. But everything I put in God's hand, God takes full responsibility for. So I'd go home, if I were you, I'd get in that truck today. By the way, that 2018 F-150 Lariat, it is not the King Ranch yet, but it will be one day. And I'm going to sit down in that 2018 with 100,000 miles on it Lariat, and I'm going to say, God, your truck today needs tires. God, this is your truck. I'm going to leverage it. I'm going to do everything. Wherever you need me, I'll go. Whatever you need me to do, I'll do. God, everything I have belongs to you. What would happen in your life if you walked into that house that instead of complaining for what you don't have, you started saying, God, you gave me this house. You blessed me with this neighborhood. You put me here for a reason, and I'm putting it in your hands. The problem is you believe you own everything it's almost impossible to let it go because it's yours. God is giving a glimpse into the future that there will come a day when you realize it was the master's property all along. It belonged to God all along. How would your life change knowing that everything you have belongs to God? So Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven. That I, I told you I'm going to give you two questions that God owns everything God owns everything here's the second thing I'm just giving you a glimpse you don't have to live in hindsight this is a glimpse into an eternity here it is this one could change your life you will give an account you will you will now let me teach this to you because I think there's some confusion around this theology you will give an account for what God gave you this is not Matthew 25, 19, after a long time, the master of those servants, master of those who? Master of who? These are already saved people. Follow me here. They're already in the master's house. Are you with me, everybody? Okay, this is not about salvation. The master comes back to those servants and settled accounts with them. You will give an account. Let me teach you some end time stuff, even though this is not an end time message. Let me help tr- try to clear up some theology for you. Not that I have a full grasp on all of this, but I do understand this. There are two judgments at the end of time. There are two judgments at the end of days. The first judgment when you and I leave this earth is called the great white throne judgment. It is where God separates people who have chosen to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, given their hearts to the Lord. And those who didn't. Jesus would teach parables about sheep and about goats. It is heaven and hell. That's the great white throne judgment. That is not this judgment. That is not what I'm teaching you right now. 
there's a second judgment that once there is a separation of Christ followers, those servants now sit, here's what the Bible says in Romans 14, remember, now Romans 14 and 10 is written to to Christians, remember, we will stand before the judgment seat of God. This is the second judgment. The first one's the great white throne judgment, separating heaven and hell, sheep and goats. Once you are in the sheep, the second judgment is the judgment seat. One translation says the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 11, for the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow, every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Verse 12 Each of us will give a personal account to God. You will have to give an account for what you did with what He gave you. This is not determining your eternal salvation. This is not determining your eternal security. This is not determining your eternal place or separation from God. This is determining the reward that you get. Matter of fact, the Bible said when Jesus returns, He comes with rewards in His hands for His saints. There are rewards. There is a judgment where you have to go, God, I've made it to heaven, but here's what I did with what you gave me. Here's what I did with what you gave me. Here's what I did with what you gave me. Here's how I leveraged the blessings you gave me. Here's how I I used for eternal purposes everything that God's put in my hands. God, I know, I know that you expect a return on your investment in me. That the blessings that I have, the influence that I have, the talents that I have, the family that I have, everything belongs to you. And I will give an account one day for what I've done with what I've been given. Now this is where things change for the believer because it becomes obvious that God is passionate about faithful, eternal stewardship. Say amen to that. You are not just, we are an eternal, listen, I believe that God can hold you for eternity and you are secure, but I also believe you have to be eternally, faithfully stewarding everything God puts in your hands. God has entrusted you with some stuff and one day you're going to stand before, I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, already saved, already covered in the blood, but He will ask, what did you do with what I gave you? What'd you do with what I gave you? What'd you do with what I gave you? I think God's calling us to faithful stewardship. So how do I become a faithful steward? I'm glad you asked. Write this in your notes. To become a faithful steward, we got to see ourselves as kingdom investors rather than earthly spenders. I'm giving you kingdom principle today. You're going to have to learn. I have to learn that I see everything in my life. It belongs to God anyway. I'm going to give an account for it one day before the judgment seat of Christ. I am a kingdom investor, not an earthly spender. An earthly spender trades. I'm going to give you money. You give me stuff. I'm going to give you time. You give me this. I'm going to give you resource. I'm going to give you access. There's a transaction that happens in spending. Amazon, 
I'm going to give you all of my money. You give me prizes every day on my front porch. Come on, somebody. There's a transaction that takes place there. That's spending. Investing is not transactional. Investing is I'm in this for the long haul because there's a heaven coming and I've got to start sowing into something that shows up in heaven, not just in earth. I got to start sowing my life like there really is a heaven and I don't live here forever and I can't take everything with me and everything that I do for Christ, that's what lasts. That's what shows up in heaven. I got to decide I'm not just going to spend my life, my time, my money, my resources on stuff. I'm going to devote and invest my life, my resources, my talent, my influence into the kingdom of God. I'm a kingdom investor. God has entrusted me with his property and I'm a kingdom investor. God's entrusted me with this job and I'm a kingdom investor in this job. God's entrusted me with this house and I'm a kingdom investor in this house. God's entrusted me with these children and I'm a kingdom investor with these children. Are you with me, everybody? God has entrusted me not just but to invest in eternity. Can I get a better amen in first service? Matthew 6 and 19 says, Don't store up for yourselves. Treasures where? On earth. Because I have bad news for you. Moth and rust, it don't matter how big of a house you got, There is coming a day when moth and rust will destroy it. And where thieves break in and steal. You say, not in Texas. (laughs) But, here's kingdom living. Verse 20. But, store up for yourselves. Store up for yourselves. Treasures. Where? Mm -hmm. Because there, there's no moth or rust. Thieves don't break in. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be. I want to help this church get a heavenly perspective. I want to help you in living the blessed life to get your eyes off of this stuff that I trade tokens for, money for. Nothing wrong with it. I'm not preaching against it. I want you to be successful. There's business owners in the room today. I want God to bless your business supernaturally. If you anticipate an IPO like Apple, give me a heads up. Would you do that? Let me throw a few few dollars in with you, okay? I, I want you to have the best of the best. I don't think God's, this is not poverty theology. I don't think God's people ought to be just holding their heads down and barely making it and wearing rags and living in small. And No, I think you ought to be blessed in every area of your life. But blessing theology says when you see me walking around in the blessed life, you got to know, number one, I don't own all of this. God owns all of this. And number two, I'm leveraging all of this because one day I've got to give an account for what I did with all of this. Say amen to that. That's the blessed life. That you live as a kingdom investor. That you live as a kingdom investor. That while you're making plans for your 401k, You make plans for kingdom investment. That when you make plans for retirement, Brandy and I just 
had some conversations with our financial planner and the CFO of our church and, and working through our future. And, and we had to talk about retirement, what happens at the end, and how long am I going to be here? By the way, I'll go ahead and tell you, i got 20 more years. Y'all got me for a long time, everybody. And then I'm founding pastor, so just I may come up in here in my wheelchair and take back over. I'm kidding. I won't do that. I won't do but we're talking about the future. You need to plan for the future. This is not telling you just sell it all and give it all to missions. This is not. You need to plan. Take care of your kids. You need to do all of that. You need to have all of that in order. But let me tell you, you cannot just live like an earthly spender that this earth is going to last forever. My friends, I don't know when it's going to be, but I have a gut level feeling that Jesus is coming back soon. And only what we've done for Christ will last. Only what we invest in eternity really matters. Only what we store up in heaven really matters. Why would we we give away missions dollars why would we translate the bible did you know right now currently right now in one of our missions partners in west africa there are four thousand tribes that still don't have a copy of the scripture in a native tongue why would we be racing the rapture to try to translate the bible in a language that they understand because i want somebody in some tribe somewhere in some west african country to know jesus is lord and he can change their life and it doesn't matter if i if i spend it all here but we didn't invest there we got to invest in eternity a spender Spends all their time on Netflix. I'm going to look down. An investor spends time with their small group. Puts their arm around somebody who's hurting. A spender spends all of their energy trying to control their kids' behavior. An investor brings them at 5 o'clock tonight. And doesn't let anything get in the way of a Wednesday night youth service. Because I want your kids to get a scholarship on baseball and football and soccer and lacrosse and polo and whatever else they're doing. But that stuff doesn't stow up in eternity. Can I help you with that? Not even sports. Listen, I want them to have good grades. I want them to get into the best college they can go to, the University of Arkansas, just by chance. I want them to get into the best. I want want them to succeed. I want them to grow. I want them to be smart, start businesses and invest. But I want them to go to heaven more than I want them to do anything else in their life. I got to invest in my children. You can spend your money on a newer car or a bigger television. Or you can invest to start new churches in America through the ark and translate the Bible in places that don't have a copy of the scriptures. Write this down as our musicians come. I'm almost done. When we become spiritual investors, it changes us and it exponentially grows heaven. When you and I start realizing we are spiritual kingdom investors, we are spiritual kingdom investors. It doesn't belong to me anyway. It belongs to God. It changes us. It'll change how you spend. Pastor, this is just all about money. No, it's really not. Matter of fact, a couple of weeks from now, you'll hear a message about investing your talent, what God's given you, everything God owns. And one day, my brothers and sisters, close your Bible, I'm done. One day, we're going to have to give an account. And my first obligation as your pastor is make sure you're ready for the first judgment. 
the judgment seat of Christ. I got to make sure that you know God. But there is a second judgment coming. And I have to teach you that we're going to have to give an account for what we did. The master's going to ask, What did you do with what I gave you? Were you just an earthly spender, trading it for pleasure, trading it for more stuff, trading it for more time, or were you a spiritual investor? This is prophetic preaching. I'm giving you, listen, through this parable, Jesus gives us a cheat code into the future. This is how it will be. The kingdom of heaven is like God owns everything. I wish I knew then what I know now. Let me tell you what you can know now that you'll wish you knew then. That God owns everything. And you will give an account for what you did. If you'll become a spiritual investor, it'll change everything. Can I tell you, look me right in the eyes. Through the glory cloud that filled the room. Did y'all see that? (laughs) It's not a glory cloud. Some of you are new and think I'm serious. It's not. Look at me in the eyes. You are a ten-talent person. Now let me tell you, now this is my kind of preaching. This is what I was raised on, and this is what is in my... If you cut me open, I believe this right here. You are a champion. You're a child of the Most High God. You're a ten in some area of your life. God's put purpose and calling on the inside of you. He's given you two bags of gold and you don't have to hold your head down thinking, I wish I had what the other people had. I wish I had what they had. No, God's put ten bags, ten talents. You got stuff inside of you. You are in a ten-talent church. Let me go ahead and brag on this church for a moment. You're in a faith-filled church that'll tell you God can do anything. God can use anybody. God can change anybody. This is not a poor, pitiful me. I'm okay. Listen, if you come from different theology I'm okay you do whatever you want but this is not a it's all bad and everybody holds their head down and everything's sin and everybody's against everybody and this is not some kind of I gotta flog myself to make it to heaven I gotta beat myself up this is not that kind of a church this is a ten talent church and in this church you can be everything God's called you to be and God's got big plans for your life one more thing you're a ten talent person This is a ten-talent church, and we're living in ten-talent times. Like never before in human history, you and I have access and opportunity to change the world together. To change the world together. We are living in a ten-talent era of history. And my friends, I don't know what's happening on the other side of the world today, but I do know this, eternity matters. Jesus is coming back. And because eternity matters, and because we're going to invest spiritually in eternity, and because God's rewards last forever, here's the one takeaway that I want you to take today, and then I'm going to pray for you. We will hold nothing back. How could there be any other response than to say, God, everything you want, you can have. Everything, open your hands before the Lord and bow your heads. Everything you want, you can have. Everything you want, you can have. Everything you want, you can have. God, everything belongs to you anyway. So, Father, come on, pray from your depth, the depths of your soul. God, everything belongs to you. My talent, my gift, my job, my cars, my house, my children, our marriage, my finances, my money, our investments, everything. Everything's yours. Everything's yours. God owns everything anyway. God, you own this. You gave me this. You, you, you blessed me with this. So, God, I give it back to you. 
Come on, with your hands open before the Lord. So God, I'm going I'm to give an account for this one day. One day when you come back, you're going to settle accounts. You will settle the account. So God, I, I commit to be a spiritual investor. I'm going to invest my time, my talent, my treasure. I'm going to invest. I'm going to invest my invitation to at the movies. Not for the movie's sake, because I got a lost neighbor who's going to spend eternity in hell if they don't give their heart to Jesus. So I invest. I'm going to invest my finances in the Kingdom Builders offering this year. Because the next generation matters. Because I want to raise future missionaries and world changers. I'm going to invest my tithing because my church matters. Because the ministry we do here matters. Because hundred or so women here Friday night matter. Because small groups, hundreds of people in small groups matter. Finding freedom. It matters. That's the stuff that lasts for eternity. I'm going to invest my talent on the dream team. You don't have to keep begging me. I'm just going to serve. Because I'm a spiritual investor. God, I'm going to invest my time in prayer and Bible reading. I'm going to invest my children in godly activity and around godly influences because I have to steward them. They're like arrows in the hand of an archer. i got to point them in the right direction. God, I'm a spiritual investor. You own everything and you have access to everything in my life. Now with your hands down, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer of surrender if you know you're far from God today. Never want to close the message without giving you a chance to come close. So say, Lord Jesus, I give you access to every part of me today. My heart, my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. I repent of my sins. I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead to bring me abundant life, a blessed life. So I give you my whole life tonight today. I I give you every part of me, every area of me. Save me today. Be the Lord of my life for the rest of my life. I pray all of these things in the matchless, great, overwhelming, pressed down, shaken together and running over name of Jesus Christ and a faith-filled, blessed church. Shout it a big amen. Amen. Do you receive the word of the Lord over your heart today? Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.